The Blunt Post with Vic. Good morning and welcome to The Blunt Post with Vic. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, the editor and publisher of The Blunt Post. The Blunt Post with Vic is a show that covers national breaking and headline news, offers analysis and commentary, and I interview a high-profile public figure. In each show, I also highlight an exceptional company, organization, charity, or even an individual that does great work in the community. After the headlines, I have three interviews for you. First with Congresswoman Jackie Speer, followed by my interview with Drexel Hurd, who is the executive director of the Los Angeles County Democratic Club, as well as the community vice president of the Stonewall Democratic Club. And last but not least, professional and personal coach, Jonathan Beal. Let's go over the latest COVID-19 numbers. Throughout the world, there have been 6.1 million confirmed cases. 2.59 million people have recovered. 370,000 people have died from coronavirus. In the U.S., 1.81 million people have been confirmed. 397,000 people have recovered. 105,000 people have died. In California, we've had 90,631 cases confirmed. 3,708 people have died. Here are some headlines. Protests over the murder of George Floyd, systematic and institutionalized racism, and police brutality continue across the country and around the globe. Over the weekend, peaceful demonstrations took place throughout the country. A few of the protests turned violent by instigators who overshadowed the majority peaceful demonstrations. Curfews were put in place in several cities, including Chicago, Atlanta, and Los Angeles, but they were largely ignored, with tens of thousands of people spilling on the streets, demonstrating and demanding justice. Solidarity protests over George Floyd death took place in cities around the world. Hundreds of people gathered in London's Trafalgar Square on Sunday following demonstrations in Berlin and in Toronto. In Berlin on Saturday, Thousands of protesters gathered outside the U.S. Embassy, some holding signs that read, Black Lives Matter, Justice for George Floyd, and I Can't Breathe. In Canada, thousands turned out in Toronto's Christie Pitts Park on Saturday before they marched to the police headquarters. Over the last week, America reeled from the death of 100,000-plus people due to COVID-19. 40 million people out of work and cities in flames over the brutal police killing of a subdued black man. But Trump was on the attack against China, the World Health Organization, Twitter, former President Barack Obama, a cable television host, and the mayor of the riot-torn city. Let's get blunt. Let's get blunt. Let's get blunt about where we are as a country in this unprecedented crisis, having surpassed over 100,000 people who've died from COVID-19, 40 million plus people are unemployed, and we have law enforcement that's unchecked, and we're seeing 
series of police brutality targeting the black community, uh, the latest one, of course, being the murder of George Floyd, and lack of leadership in D.C., especially from our so-called president, who not only is not showing any leadership, but he is actually fanning the flames and making things worse. He has not made America great. Donald Trump has not made America great. He has made America grave. And I mean grave as a double entendre, as somber, as serious, but also grave as in people have died due to his inaction and his actions. And we're seeing that right now. And if nothing changes, nothing changes. So it's time for him to go. We hope that he resigns, but I don't think that's going to happen. So the solution is November 3rd. So that's it. I know I'm preaching to the choir, but we've got to get blunt about this. Let's get blunt. Congresswoman Jackie Speer is a fearless fighter for women's equality, LGBTQ rights, and the disfranchised, who has dedicated her life to eliminating government corruption while working to strengthen America's national and economic security. She was named to Newsweek's list of 150 fearless women in the world and one of Politico's 50 most influential people in American politics for bringing the Me Too movement to reckoning to Congress. She represents California's 14th Congressional District and serves on the House Armed Services Committee and as the chair of the Military Personnel Subcommittee on the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence and on the House Committee on Oversight and Reform. Congresswoman Speer is also co-chair of the Democratic Women's Caucus, the Congressional Armenian Caucus, the Bipartisan Task Force to End Sexual Violence, and the Gun Violence Prevention Task Force. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful that you had some time for me to be on the Blum Post with Vic. Appreciate it. Sure. How is, you know, I'm gonna, just going to start in general. I know you are beyond swamped. I can only imagine with everything that's going on. And of course, you know, most of us Americans, we think our politicians and members of Congress can fix everything with a wand. So I'm going to ask you, in terms of just today, where are we? What's your perspective on what's happening with COVID-19 and everything related? I believe that um, the precautions we have taken have probably saved um, scores of lives, um, thousands of lives. Uh, I do worry that as all of our... um, states and localities are opening up, all of which I appreciate and recognize we have to do in order to, um, you know, prevent an absolutely uh, destructive economic collapse, that we have to be very vigilant. You know, if the numbers start to peak or rise, I think we're going to have to, you know, pull back a little bit. So the importance of wearing face masks and washing your hands regularly and keeping the distance is going to be um, critical. And as we saw the Memorial Day weekend, that was hard for a lot of people to do. They were 
out the valve that they forgot all the things they learned over the last few months. So right. I, I am concerned. Okay. In terms of the $3 trillion uh, bill that was passed through the House, which is now in the hands of the Senate, are you hopeful about that? Well, it is uh, a document that represents the values of the Democratic majority in the House. It is a opportunity to negotiate a compromise with the Senate. But what is very clear to us, and should be to everyone, a Republican or Democratic governor, Republican or Democratic member of the House or Senate, is that the states and local jurisdictions have been doing the heavy lifting. And there's been a, uh, a reduction in the revenues coming to the states and localities, a reduction in the transit occupancy taxes that local jurisdictions receive, uh, reduction in the sales tax, all of which that they have less revenue coming in. And unless we provide some form of backfill like we've done for the airlines and for many other industries, that we're to see massive layoffs. And those layoffs are going to include uh, local first responders. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just the beginning of it. We're seeing uh, news from different companies on a daily basis. Congresswoman, uh, I want to bring up the Essential Worker Pandemic Compensation Act, which you and a few colleagues introduced. This is a legislation in the House to compensate families of essential workers who die as a result of COVID-19 and related complications. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Which makes perfect sense, and it's such a democratic value. And I use democratic as a double entendre for the Democratic Party, which seems to always be uh, going against the Republican establishment that fights um, fights anything that benefits the 99%. This is The Blunt Post with Vic. I am your host, Vic Jarami, and you are listening to my interview with Congresswoman Jackie Speer. To the next item, which is the... Uh, your call 
for an investigation of the different aid that went to publicly traded companies from the PPP loans and any kind of a relief aid that was sent to major corporations, which, you know, seems to be the objective or the priority for some members of the GOP. Well, I call them the dirty 300 publicly traded companies who have They took more than a billion dollars of PP loan money, and I uh, I hope that the treasurer, the secretary of the treasury, is committed to doing what he said was, which was to audit these companies to determine whether or not they had complied with the provisions of the legislation or not, because it was not intended for companies that have other means of accessing capital. And if you're a, a Fortune 300 company, uh, you can access the capital. Right. And the ultimate decision to initiate the investigation is in the hands of Controller General Gene Dorado, correct? So I have um, sent a letter signed by 27 other members that has requested the General Accounting Office to um, review those companies that received these loans that would fall into the category of being publicly traded with revenues that exceeded a certain amount, which is about 300 companies. So, yes, Guadero is going to be the uh, person responsible for doing that investigation. Makes total sense. I think it uh, gives people, Americans, some comfort that members of Congress like yourself are fighting for them to see that there's some sort of a fairness in, in the aid they're getting, especially at a time when just in California alone, EDD has been so overwhelmed and some Americans can't even get their sort of basic needs met. Uh, so thank you I for that. So many, I have so many constituents who are still waiting for their first uh, of unemployment compensation, and they've been waiting for two months. Yeah. You know, these systems aren't prepared for this kind of deluge of, um, of claims. Yeah, absolutely. Congresswoman, I only have less than two minutes left, so my last one is going to be, since you've been a great advocate for the LGBTQIA community, and Pride Month starts on Monday, and you've fought for uh, our community for many years, including the setbacks we've had under the Trump administration. So what message do you have for the queer community as we start Pride Month? Um, I guess my message is, you know, elections do matter. And the uh, undermining of all the success we've had over the last couple of decades for the LGBTQ plus community um, have been unraveling in front of our eyes. So I just hope that all of um, all of us recognize that uh, voting this particular election is probably the most critical presidential vote you will ever cast if we're going to restore the democratic principle, small d, that we enjoy and the values that I think we all share. I will assert that, again, we try to reverse what the president did as it relates to transgender service members, and I will be offering that amendment to the Defense Authorization 
Wow, that's great. Thank you. Before you go, any call to action, all of our listeners? Well, I guess my, my call to action would be don't forget that there are many people who are anguished right now that are living one meal to the next. I was distributing meals last night uh, in East Palo Alto, and the need is so great. So if you have the ability to volunteer at food banks or at distribution sites or you have extra change that you can donate, um, we're all, we are all in this together, and we want to save lives. And one way we can do that is making sure that they have nutrition for starters. Well said. Congresswoman Spear, thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate it, and good luck out there. All right, thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. That was the beloved Congresswoman Jackie Spear. Thank you very much, Congresswoman. The Blunt Post with Vic. Drexel Hurd is the executive director of the L.A. County Democratic Party, as well as the community vice president of the Stonewall Democratic Club. He currently represents the 39th California Assembly District as the youngest black executive board member and a delegate to the California Democratic Party. He is the first black executive director of the Los Angeles County Democratic Party, first black community vice president of Stonewall Democrats Los Angeles, sits on the Board of Advisors for Equality California, and is a member of the Los Angeles City Task Force for Youth Development. Hello, Drexel. Thank you for being on The Blunt Post with Vic. Appreciate your time. Welcome. Thanks for having me on, Vic. Yeah, I appreciate your time in this busy, uh, unfortunate news period with um, what's happening across the country uh, after the murder of George Floyd, and of course, prior to that, what happened with Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery, Christian Cooper, and so many others that were not captured on video that never have seen justice and probably never will. Yeah, you know, I think this week has been um, eye-opening for a lot of people. Um, You know, I I was talking to some friends of mine uh, just before you called, and, you know, we all kind of said, well, this time feels a little bit different, but why does it feel a little bit? Why does it feel different? And somebody said to me, you know, I feel like it's different because nobody was shot this time. You could actually see death on camera. Uh, and, and so it does feel a little bit different right. this time. Uh, outside of the other four uh, or three names that you named, um, you know, uh, that doesn't include the thousands uh, of deaths, uh, of LGBTQ deaths um, that go unreported as well. Uh, Absolutely. And, you know, especially with uh, black transgender women across the country. So, you know, we're only seeing a fraction of, of what happens. And, and I'm sure you've seen, uh, and your listeners have seen, uh, uh, many folks say, you know, th- this is, you know, this has been happening forever. Uh, it's just now just being filmed because of technology. And, uh, you know, Absolutely. I, I grew up in a, in, in a military family. So this, you know, situations like this, uh, you know, uh, I didn't grow up with a lot of these uh Situations I know a lot of folks did, um, but but a lot of my friends did, and uh, so you know every step of, of, of what we're going through is a journey for everybody individually, um, and you know I, I always like to remind people that you know black people are not a monolith. Uh, everybody's experience is different, and, uh, and, and but but at the end of the day, uh, everybody knows the difference between right and wrong, 
And uh, so that's kind of where we are right now. Absolutely. But I always think that the Black American experience is very unique, as well as the experience of the indigenous people of America, also known as Native Americans or American Indians. To see this cycle of violence to continue over and over again and something so egregious, it's, it's just really traumatizing. And as you said, this time there was no gun, there was no, it, it happened with someone suffocating someone to death, essentially. But also, I think this time, what's also different is that for three and a half years, we've seen our quote-unquote president, uh, his apathy, his, well, let's, let's get blunt, I mean, his blatant racism and xenophobia that he has demonstrated that's emboldened the masses, the white supremacists, the vigilantes, etc. And people are tired. And uh, thank goodness for cameras and for phones and, and being able to capture these. Uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think social media came out, uh, you know, right around the time it was supposed to. You know, Facebook came out in 2004, started around 2003, 2004. Twitter, you know, the first tweet came out from President Obama in 2008. Uh, and, and, and here we are, in, um, where a majority of the president's, uh, this particular president's uh, comments are coming out via Twitter. Um, you know, something I always try to remind people is that the president only exasperated the current situation. The rhetoric and the mindset um, was always always there sure. as soon as Barack Obama was inaugurated. So I always try to remind people that this is not Trump's America. This is not Barack Obama's America. This is where we are right now. And, you know, this well, is so. the reality of America right now. There are many things that we can blame President Trump for, and that is continuing the cycle uh, where he should be healing America. Uh, if you saw his tweets uh, in the past couple of days, about, oh yes, you know, sending out the National Guard or sending out the Secret Service today, as he said, uh, that is, um, those are designed to inflame, and that is not what the American president is supposed to do. And uh, but that does not mean that his supporters weren't, or, or supporters that think like him, uh, weren't there, uh, you know, sending death threats to the first black president from 2007 on, uh, when he when he was running for office. Uh, and, and certainly those uh, black candidates who've run before Barack Obama. Um, and so, you know, I, I think when we, when we talk a lot about what um, is happening currently, or at least what's been happening in the last three years, we certainly can't forget what has happened and what, is what has been continuous uh, for decades. Absolutely. Well said to all of that. I wanted to ask you, you have, you have a couple of, unique perspectives on all of this. Um, uh, you are, of course, with the Stonewall Democratic Club. You are the community vice president, so that's one role. And then you're also with the LA County. Tell me your full title, I apologize. So, uh, no, it's all right. It, I'm, I'm currently the executive director of the LA County Democratic Party. We're the, you know, the largest county Democratic Party in the country. We represent 2.9 million Democrats. And, uh, you know, so I, I oversee the operation with, uh, under the advice of the chair of the party, Mark Gonzalez, and, uh, and a lot of, uh, uh, of really great Democrats who uh, are working on behalf of LA County. Fantastic. So you're, you're not busy at all. 
you know, if, you, if it weren't for a little bit of golf and a little bit of uh, peloton riding, I probably wouldn't. I probably would would be doing a, just sitting at my desk the whole time. Wow. Well, I'm even more grateful that you took the time to talk to me today. So, all right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be blunt about this. One of the things that irritates me is when things like this happen, George Floyd, etc. We have great politicians, very progressive, very outspoken, that actually, you know, do something. But then you have a handful of politicians and politician wannabes who make statements that are so, they're just rhetoric. They're, they mean nothing. They're just, um, they're actually just more irritating. <laughs> to be honest with you. Tell me from your perspective, uh, as a political, if you will, what is happening as far as a response to what's happened with George Floyd? So um, I, I think you've, you've seen very different responses from across the country. I think if you've seen the response from Mayor Keisha uh, Lance Bottoms in uh, mm-hmm. Atlanta, uh, Mario Bowser in D.C., uh, here in California, the response from Kamala Harris, and of course I've named three women in the row. Um, yeah. and, but, but that's not to say that a lot of, of black male leaders across the country are not doing uh, the same uh, work, right? Um, so I think you are seeing uh, black leaders step up. I've told my, my, my friends, and I've had conversations with friends of mine uh, who've asked me what to do, and I said, hey, look, you let the black leaders lead uh, um, and, and kind of guide us through what is happening right now. Sorry, let me interrupt you for a sec. I definitely didn't mean black leaders. I meant actually no, 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 non-black no, no, leaders, no, no, for sure. No, no, I'm definitely going to get to, to, to that. I, I, I just want to kind of set the stage of, of, of what, Super. Uh, of where we are. And and so, you know, I, I think that as we get to uh, our, our allies, mm-hmm. um, I think that there are a lot of folks who, politicians are, polit- are, are, are people who, want to do the good work a lot of a handful of politicians are people want to do good work mm-hmm. but also are afraid of um what they can and cannot say we live in a hyper sensitive world right. where uh twitter and facebook and anything that you say can be misconstrued whether or not your intent was different and so right now i think a lot of uh, white leaders and a lot of allies are trying to figure out what the best response is for them uh back in uh in the obama administration uh, as soon as uh, the, the murders of Trayvon Martin uh, and, and, and black boys across the country were happening, the Justice Department came out with a list of, of, of guidelines uh, that should have been followed, that should be followed uh, when things like this happen. The Sessions the Department of Justice has curbed, has curbed those guidelines, and the Bar uh, Department of Justice uh, certainly hasn't done anything uh, to help that. So, um, you know, when you don't have the federal government uh, stepping in, or at least guiding uh, police departments uh, across the country and politicians and setting the tone, uh, I think it's very hard for some politicians uh, to to try to figure out how to navigate that. Um, the other part of that is, uh, you know, you everybody's trying, there's no right or wrong solution, uh, and everybody's just trying to find the one that works for their cities. Uh, and, and to do that, I think that, that right now, um, you know, here in L.A. County, we've got a DA race that's happening between George Gascon uh, and, and, and Jackie Lacey. Uh, they couldn't be farther from um, 
uh, on where they believe um, prosecution of police departments should be. Uh, so as long as, as we're starting to listen to the rhetoric and as long as we're starting to listen uh, to the leaders around them, I think some of our politicians are going to be in a better spot. But I think right now what we're seeing is that because it is different, like we just said a few minutes ago, um, everybody's trying to find uh, the right response. And so that's kind of where we are right now. Um, you know, it's kind of like the coronavirus situation. Nobody was ready Nobody was ready for the for, for how to deal or what to say about the coronavirus, um, even though the Obama administration had left the playbook. But you know, but now everybody's starting to come out with with big solutions. The Vice President Biden did that last week, where he said these are the steps that we need to be taking um, that would that were concrete based on science, based on what was happening. And I think we're going to see that here in these race relations um, situations, uh, and and hopefully something will come out of that. Um, you know, the other problem with that is is that politicians on, on a lot of levels are, are beholden by police unions. And, and that is a huge problem uh, in cities. And I'm not saying that, you know, not to, not to support our police force. That's not what I'm saying. I'm a military kid. Look, I want uh, what's best for our law enforcement. I understand the necessities of it. But when you have a union that is strangleholding our politicians in the cities, our mayor on down, uh, that is a hindrance for them to do their job because they will always throw money at the people uh, who are not, who quote unquote, are not on their side, uh, and then they will label you as anti-cop, and that is uh, that is untrue. And um, and, and where 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 you know police uh, and our law enforcement's job is to protect and serve first, uh, not to protect and serve them first. So I, I think that there, there it is a perfect storm of, of a problem that needs to be addressed. And I think you've got a lot of candidates across Los Angeles County and across the country who are going to be starting to to, to speak on that. Uh, what is the role of police unions and what is the role of law enforcement? Uh, and what is the role of police prosecution after that in, uh, in this country? Well said. I am, however, I have to say, you know, once in a while, you know, you said that a lot of politicians are sort of trying to navigate and figure out what they want to say and where they stand and what's the best thing. They don't want to be controversial, etc. But once in a while, you get this um, elected official who very swiftly and quickly comes out and is just on point. Those feel so good, you know. People that I can... We saw that with Mayor Frey. Right, exactly. pointed about what was happening in the city, yeah. Yeah, those just feel so good. I mean, some of the uh, members of Congress uh, I've interviewed, uh, not uh, about this, but in, on other matters, the ones that are, they're just lead, you know, like uh, such as uh, Nancy Pelosi, Congresswoman Waters, um, Ted Lieu, um, Judy Chu, uh, of course, Congressman Adam Schiff. They're the ones that really set the tone or elected officials that just do the right thing, regardless of what the consequences would be, such as what then-Mayor Gavin Newsom did in San Francisco, um, issuing marriage licenses um, in 2008, when it was not a federal, it was not federally mandated, there was no rights, even in California, but he did it anyway, and he, he did pay dearly for it uh, politically, but he just did it. And the other thing is, uh, you mentioned uh, Jackie Lacey and... and uh, George Gascon. Yeah, their, their race that's happening. It made me think about, because I was sort of around that, and I'm still following it, the Jamal Moore case, which took, you know, how many lives for that to result in an arrest? Yeah, and, and look, you know, between Jamal Moore, Timothy Dean, and the entire Ed Buck case um, in, in West Hollywood, that was a moment... Uh, for Jackie Lacey to leave. 
And what we saw was, uh, you know, what you talked about the president uh, being apathetic towards um, towards action. Uh, part of that was trying for, for I, you know, I can't speak for Jackie Lacey. I, you know, she, I think she believes that she did the right thing and that she handled that situation uh, the way that she was supposed to. But uh, I can tell you she's dead wrong on that. Uh, and and, and what, if, if, if the Ed Buck situation had happened in 2020, uh, as opposed to 2018, um, you know, I, I suspect she might have been pressured a little bit more to um, to do it, but she just wasn't pressured at that time uh, by a uh, by politicians around her. And so, you know, that's the difference. I think that when you are in a bubble, or when you're a politician in a bubble, um, and you're being pressured, not just from one group like Black Lives Matter, uh, when you're being pressured from all over, you don't have a choice but to um, but to act. And, and that's an unfortunate position, uh, or that's an unfortunate mindset for any politician, uh, for, especially as a as a voter. You want your you don't want your politicians to have to be pressured to do something. Uh, Jackie Lacey um, has been pressured. Uh, she still failed to uh, to, to act, uh, and she then passed the buck off to federal authorities. Uh, and so that, that you know that's just a small glimpse into uh, how Jackie Lacey has prosecuted uh, across Los Angeles County. And I, and I suspect what will be different if George Gascon is the... Well said, thank you. And let's not forget that in West Hollywood, where the crime happened, well, three times, Lindsay Horvath was the only council member that spoke openly and aggressively uh, against the violence and the fact that uh, there was no arrest being made at the time. And I think we, we need to highlight and uh, talk about those elected officials that really do well and uh, do what they're supposed to do. So before um, I let you go, because I know your your time is very precious right oh, now. Oh, no, I love it. It's all right. It's Saturday. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I want to be, I like to be in the in solution. And tell us and, and our listeners about how we need to think, what are our priorities as we move forward and perhaps call for action? Sure, I, I think um, there's two, there's, you know, there's organizational, um, and if you're part of an organization, what you can do uh, versus what you can do as an individual. Um, I think that the first, uh, you know, like I said, a lot of folks have asked me what they can do uh, on their own. And I say, you know, listen, uh, have those conversations. We are constantly having conversations um, when it is in the news, you know, we forget, you know, I said to somebody yesterday, I said, okay, well, in two weeks, we're going to go through this for about three or four days. And then in two weeks, it won't even be a blip on the radar anymore. Right? Like that, that's kind of how we've gotten conditioned, um, in this Trump era news cycle, um, because something's going to come up next. Um, and so, you know, we went from, even just if you look at this week, we went from one story in Central Park to a riot in Minneapolis, to burning buildings in Minneapolis. I mean, it happened so fast within like 48 hours. Right. And so, you know, I think that once you, I think the first thing that folks got to do is, is start to continuously have those conversations. If you are saying, um, uh, I want to do something, then you are having those conversations with your family members, with your friends, and you're constantly having them, not just when it's in the news cycle and not when you're just fishing for likes on Facebook and Twitter. 
the second thing you can do uh, is support black-owned businesses and, support, and, and, and follow and like black content creators who are out there talking about what's happening. You know, they will always tell you what's going on and, and slowly start to educate you on the black experience. Uh, and third, of course, it's going to be just getting out and voting and getting involved. You know, I think people often say, I don't like to talk politics, and I always tell people politics is a science. Talking issues is what you're actually doing. Uh, you believe in X, Y, and Z. If you can talk about the Kardashians and you can talk about, um, you know, what's happening uh, uh, in sports, you can certainly talk about the issues that matter to you. If you go to the doctor, that matters to you. If you have black friends, that matters to you. Uh, if you believe that women's rights are important and LGBTQ rights are important to you, then that's not you talking politics, that means you have an opinion. And I think that people need to get out of the mindset of not trying to be controversial uh, and start to have important conversations with their friend circles around them. And then they'll be able to expand their friend circles. And then what you do is you take that, you put it into action, you find your local Democratic club, or, or you work with a party here in LA County or any of, this, of, of the, the parties across the country, and you get involved there, and then you make sure you vote in November. You know, Because what's going to happen is if we don't, defeat this president in November, we will go through four more years of this every month. And worse. And worse. And because he will believe that he has a mandate to do that. Yeah. And so, you know, this is not, you know, this is, I'm not, a, I'm not personally a doomsday person, but the reality is what we've seen from this president is borderline domestic terrorism. And yeah. that is where we are right now. And so the more that we can get into that mindset, the more that it should urge people to get involved uh, as swiftly as possible, uh, to get out to vote, to canvas, to text bank, to phone bank, you know, to listen to shows like yours, uh, to stay up to date on what's happening and, uh, and, and get everybody around you involved. That was um, great information. Absolutely. Take action, uh, being the solution. I appreciate that. In fact, I am featuring Black Lives Matter on the show as well today. I feature a nonprofit, a charity, or a cause on each show, and uh, today's is Black Lives Matter because I can't think of any other organization more apropos for this as we navigate through this phase of our crazy 2020. So. I appreciate you, uh, you giving them the opportunity and the platform to talk about um, My pleasure. the issues and, uh, because you know, there, there's got to be more of that. And, and I think that, like I said, the more that people are listening, um, the more they'll be, um, the, the, the more that I'm hopeful and encouraged about what may uh, be coming next. Excellent. Drexel, thank you very much um, for your time. Good luck with both organizations that you work you work Thank with. Thank you so much. So um, hope to have you on uh, the Blunt Post with Vic again. And um, thank you. Thanks so much. Anytime. That was my interview with Drexel Hurd, the community vice president from the Stonewall Democratic Club. Uh, thank you, Drexel. The Blunt Post with Vic. Jonathan Beal is a renowned personal and career coach. He helps people powerfully reconnect with themselves and the people in their life. Jonathan created The Work, a proven process which helps high achievers connect with themselves, their purpose, create deeper connections, and create an impact in the world. <laughs>
Jonathan, thank you for joining me on The Blunt Post with Vic. Welcome. Absolute pleasure. Happy to be here, Vic. And uh, how are things right now for you? Yeah, you know, considering where we are in the world, considering what's happening. Yeah, things are, things are okay. Things are okay. Yeah, we're all sort of dealing with it one day at a time, right? Yeah, yeah. I wanted to interview you because you are a renowned career and personal coach, and you've helped many executives and others uh, through sort of murky waters, if you will, of career and downtime and uptime and all of that, because reality is that with everything that's happening globally, but for us in the U.S., with so many people who have become unemployed or temporarily uh, lost their job, business, or lots of clients, the, there's a lot of anxiety and fear involved. And although we're sort of all kind of in a waiting period, uh, those anxieties um, are there. And reality is that sooner or later, we're all going to have to have a plan B and a plan C and look at the next steps but before i go there i just want to ask you what would you say to those types of people that i mentioned there are millions literally who are now have lost their jobs or a spouse has lost their jobs and they are sort of in fear and anxiety yeah sure i mean there's so many things that come up with that right it affects our home life it affects our um, ability to see into the future, we live in anxiety, we live in fear. But I think, you know, one thing to to try and keep in mind at the moment is as difficult as that is, right now you have an opportunity to really work on yourself, to really come back to yourself. Good to, point. Now is the time to come together, to co-create, to collaborate, to build relationships so that in the coming months and years as things change and shift you're in a better position to have a support network and a community around you that that is super supportive that's such a good point because you know when before covid or in just in our general times we're all sort of running around doing million different things and we don't really have time or maybe don't make time to build those relationships and, and expand our network and uh, think outside the box. And you're right, this is a great opportunity to uh, sort of go back and nurture those and see what more we can do in whatever whatever industry we're in. So that's, that's such a good, it's such a great, it's such great advice because it's really being in the solution. It's sort of making like just saying, well, I can't go to work this, you know, this morning, but I can maybe get on LinkedIn and start networking and, and creating content and putting myself out there. Um, tell me some of the things that you are doing as a professional, uh, personal and career coach at different levels for different types of people in, in various industries right now. Um, so talking of community, one of the things that we do together is hold a space and hold a container where we guide people to do exactly what I just talked about, which is to nurture, nurture relationships, to focus inwards, to look at themselves, to look at how they can find solutions within and to trust and listen to their bodies, 
while also building a community that is lifting them up in a time when, you know, as we said, it's difficult, it's stressful. Sometimes we feel disconnected, we feel alone. And actually what we need more than ever is people around us to say, you know, you've got this and, and how can I help you to get to where I need to be, whether that's you're an executive or whether that's you're running a small business or whatever. You know, we all need um, that environment. Fantastic. So let's go back to learning about you comprehensively as the things that that you work on with with your clients um, in coaching, what areas do you go into? What do you do in, in sort of, let's go a little bit more specific? So, you know, one of the first things that um, all of the different ways that we are creating upper limits in our lives that are stopping us from reaching our full potential. So the very first place that I look is right there. It's what is that? one thing, that one theme, that core belief that's stopping you from being your full self and creating a life where you can thrive. Okay, so that's the prepping. How about like specifically in terms of if someone wanted you to help them in a specific area or industry, is that something that you, um, that you uh, help people with? Yeah, absolutely. Um, although typically, more recently, I work with small business, um, business level people, and the, the point with coaching in general is actually that you don't need specific knowledge about specific industries to do it. Sure. Coaching is about exploration. It's about asking the right questions. It's about uh, pointing out the things that your client isn't seeing, um, highlighting all of the areas where they've got blind spots, right? And that's where the magic happens within this kind of coaching. Right. And no one person is going to know about every industry. So no. that would be unrealistic. Yeah. After you work, you start to work with someone, what is the one thing that you realize was keeping them or holding them from seeking the help that they that they perhaps were needing so badly but they were resisting yeah great question it, it can depend it can depend on gender sometimes it's pride it's that i can do this and i don't need any help um even though i've been doing the same thing, thing for three years and it's not been working um right sometimes sometimes it can be fear of investing in yourself right this idea that I'm going to spend all of this money on myself and it's not going to come of anything because actually there's a belief behind that that says I'm not worthy. Absolutely. What, um, what advice would you give someone who's listening right now and is considering to contact you and is sort of like, you know, not sure? What would you tell them? Okay. So I would say, firstly, I don't buy. Go ahead. Um, um, I always create spaces free from judgment where you get to fully express yourself and I, you know, I will call you out but ultimately I always do it with love and kindness and if you really want to talk to me I am here um, so please do reach out if you need some extra support how, um, how, so how do people get in touch with you? so there's two ways actually and actually Tomorrow, um, 
we're launching a new program, um, which is a kind of an entry-level five-week program. Um, it's called Wake Up, Work Less, Play More, um, which you can find at mysticforlife.com. Say, um, say all of that one more time. Of course. Um, so tomorrow uh, we have the program Wake Up launching, Work Less, Play More. It's four weeks to discover the Mystics and Avon Way, which is about okay. creating a life where you thrive in every inch of you in business and life. Um, and as I said, it starts tomorrow, and you can find information on that at misfitforlife.com. Say that website again? Misfitforlife.com. Okay, awesome. And then how about jonathanbeal.com? Yeah, that exists. Jonathanbeal.com is there, although it's currently being rebuilt. Okay. Um, so the best place to find what I'm up to right now is the misfitforlife.com, or to contact me on Instagram. On Instagram too. What is your Instagram handle? It's Jonathan Gary Beal. Jonathan Gary Bill. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's good to know. Uh, any parting words or call to action for our listeners? You know, there are a lot of uh, business owners that are just very nervous, even with all the restrictions being slowly lifted. They are so adversely affected that uh, I can't think of how many people could use your. Uh, your wisdom and your experience and your coaching. So what would you tell them as we, as we end this interview? I would say that as human beings, we have an unlimited capacity to love. And right now, if you're a business owner or if you are unemployed or love hard, create relationships and love everybody hard. I like that. It's very inspiring. Wow. Well, thank you, Jonathan, for taking the time from your busy schedule to talk to, to, talk to me on The Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK. Uh, I, um, I definitely, you know, I think most of us can use your wisdom and experience in no matter what we're doing. Uh, I appreciate your time. Thank you for having me, Vic. Thank you. That was the acclaimed personal and career coach, Jonathan Beal. Thank you, Jonathan, for the interview. The Blunt Post with Vic. With so many of us traumatized by the murder of George Floyd and other racially motivated brutality against uh, black Americans such as uh, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, Christian Cooper, and made worse by our president, his egregious response, his apathy, and in fact his calling for violence against Americans I want to feature Black Lives Matter as the highlighted organization today. Black Lives Matter in its seventh year has been working tirelessly to combat uh, anti-black racism and brutality, uh, not just police brutality, but um, vigilantes who are further emboldened by our president. So I'm going to read to you the about of Black Lives Matter, their mission and what they do, in brief, of course, because they do so much more than this. So the, the brief description is, Black Lives Matter was founded in 2013 in response to the acquittal of Trayvon Martin's murderer. Black Lives Matter Foundation is a global organization in the US, UK, and Canada whose mission is to eradicate white supremacy and build local power to intervene in violence inflicted on black communities 
by the state and vigilantes. By combating and countering acts of violence, creating space for black imagination and innovation, and centering black joy, we are winning immediate improvements in our lives. If you are interested to get involved, to create change, to donate, to volunteer, please visit Black Lives Matter's website. It's blacklivesmatter.com. This is a very important time when we can't just sit back and just be angry, but take action, help in any way that we can. Again, that website is blacklivesmatter.com. Today I have three of my favorite quotes for you that are very apropos to what's happening in our nation from three extraordinary human beings. The first one is by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. who said, a riot is the language of the unheard. That is very poignant and so true. And I'm glad that it's making its rounds and people are really reading and hearing about it in the last few days because we need to. The second one is by Elie Wiesel. And he said, we must always take sides. Neutrality helps the oppressor, never the victim. Silence encourages the tormentor, never the tormented. So true. Oftentimes a lot of people take the safe route of saying, I haven't heard anything, I haven't seen anything, I'm not going to say anything. And that is basically taking the side of the oppressor and uh, encouraging them. The third one is from Archbishop Desmond Tutu, who said, if you are neutral in situations of injustice, you have chosen the side of the oppressor. So true. Three brilliant, brilliant human beings, and their quotes are so valid and apropos today. I am thrilled to announce that KPFK and the Blend Post with Vic have partnered with the Stonewall Democratic Club, the most prominent democratic political advocacy organization for the LGBTQ plus community for this year's special Pride program called Pridecast Live. It's going to be on Saturday, June 27th, which is the same day as Global Pride. I will share more details with you in the next couple of weeks. Uh, we have a fantastic marathon uh, planned with original and diverse shows, including panel discussions, variety shows, interviews, music, and lots more. So save the date, Saturday, June 27th, for Pridecast Live with the Stonewall Democratic Club. And before I go, I would like to thank my tirelessly brilliant producer, Ricky Herrera, and you, Thank you for joining me today for another episode of The Blunt Post with Vic. Uh, tune in next Monday at 7 a.m. for another episode. For more information, you can visit thebluntpostwithvic.com. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter, at Vic Jarami. The Blunt Post with Vic.